The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, I've been getting asked more and more recently, how do you become a millionaire or a multimillionaire? Uh, And I have maybe 11 or 12 points that I think are consistent and common in millionaires and multimillionaires. A A few words of warning before we start. Number one, this will not happen overnight. So don't even think about dreaming about the fact that you can listen to this, meditate, do some incantations, and then tomorrow morning you'll be a multimillionaire. Otherwise, you want your time back. Uh, on this live video and podcast. Um, Number two is I became a millionaire between the age of 30 and 31, a multimillionaire a few years later, um, a DECA millionaire, so exceeded the 10 million net worth level. Um, After that, I I stopped counting after 10. Um, People often ask, how much money do you need to be comfortable financially? I can tell you one thing, it's not a million. A million is nowhere near enough. And a million is not like it used to be 10 or 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, that's a bit of a myth, I think. Uh, I found personally that when I got to 10, uh, I could probably retire for my lifetime and my kids' lifetime and their kids' lifetime, give or take. So maybe a couple of generations. Um, and you know, I, I, I guess that's probably a good indication because if I stop counting, well, I still track, but if I stop counting or caring as much, you know, once I got to 10 plus, um, well, my accountant told me to stop telling everyone. My business partner stopped me, told me to stop telling everyone. My wife st- told me to stop telling everyone. Um, but also it became less important. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, those people who uh, uh, make millions or millionaires, uh, you know, they're always just focused on money all the time. Well, I found actually, I think much less about money now than I did when I was skint. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose I, I, you could say I relaxed and focused much more on giving, on creating on, um, you know, building things that matter uh, than, you know, the money itself, on the experience of it, on making a difference to people. Um, So let's dive straight in then with those caveats out the way. There's a lot of people giving advice out there for free, which is quite frankly nonsense. There's a lot of people giving um, advice on making money. You haven't made any money. Uh, My company should turn over, um, technically turn over, and that's um, revenue plus book business. 20 million this year. I think we've done over 100 million in sales now. Um, so I definitely don't say that to brag. But if I saw a Facebook Live or a podcast which said how to be a multimillionaire, I would want to know that it's real and legitimate um, and not um, scammy. So um, a lot of these aren't going to take you five minutes. They might take you a year, three years, five years. Who knows? But do them. They work. So number one is you need to have a big vision, a vision much grander than yourself, um, because a small vision will create a small business. And I found, you know, getting myself out of debt was important, but that was a selfish motivation. And then making three grand a month, five grand a month, 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month, they were fine, but they were selfish motivations. They were for me, for my lifestyle. And whilst they were fine, people weren't going, wow, look at Robin, how much difference he's made to himself. You know, they want to see how I can make a difference to the world. So the bigger the vision, you know, if, if you can make it at least... Um, you know, the size of your community and that make, make that a big community. But ideally, nationally, intercontinental, global, uh, even a lot of these big, big business people now are making their visions intergalactic. So the, bi- the vision needs to be bigger than you. 
Um, and therefore, it needs to serve vast numbers of people. So you can make millions out of just about anything. Do you remember that slinky that went down the stairs like that? That sold something like 50 million pounds worth of product. Um, you know, Tetra Pak just have the little packaging for the milk cartons and all that lot. Well, that, that, the rousing family are all billionaires, even the kids and the kids' kids. Um, so really, it's not about what the product or service is. It's about does it scale and will it help vast numbers of people? Um, the third thing then is a, a value proposition. Have you got something that's unique? Um, is it disruptive? Is it new? Is it um, does it make people's life easier, better, more convenient? You know, people pay for convenience. So what's unique about your business? How is it different from the competition? Uh, how does it um, surprise people in a, in a positive way? If you think about Uber, that was a very disruptive business model. That was unique. Um, Airbnb and the, the booking.com world of um, sort of service accommodation and letting out your homes. That was a very disruptive business model. Netflix, which got rid of all the problems that Blockbuster had. No one liked paying penalties for DVDs that they didn't send back the next day. It was a, a broken business model. Um, so if you have a unique value proposition, if you serve vast numbers of people, if you make their lives easier, better, more convenient, uh, then you're likely to get handsomely rewarded yourself. Um, now, Gerald Ratner was with me the last time I got asked this. I got asked this about four days ago by someone who was in our Cayman Legacy um, business retreat. And Gerald Ratner and myself got asked, how do you um, become a millionaire? And, and Gerald said that the details matter. So Gerald used to place the diamonds at 42 inches height outside all of his shops. So he owned half the jewellery business in the whole of Europe. He was doing two billion pounds in turnover um, in the 1980s. He made 125 million pound profit one year, um, which, you know, if you like with inflation, you can double or triple that today. And he said the average lady was five foot three, uh, sorry, five foot four. And so he'd put the diamonds at exactly 42 inches height from the ground so that the average woman could see it at the perfect angle. So he believes that the details matter and there is paradoxes in existing in business and life. So you have to have this big vision, this grand vision, this vision is much bigger than you that you could probably never achieve in your lifetime, which is inspiring to others, which is going to get them their energy and their money towards you. And that's going to get them referring you. But also the very technical details do matter. Um, if you think about how great the Uber app is and how much, how many billions they must have spent in developing that, or at least hundreds of millions, these details matter. Okay, number five then is, of course, you need to become the best. Now, that's kind of obvious. Uh, I tend not to comment on things that are obvious, like work hard, you know, and be the best. Um, but this is very important. If you want to be a multimillionaire, you can't just be like everybody else. You've got to be faster, to, you know, faster to market. You've got to react quicker. You've got to pivot faster. You've got to have a, a, a quicker dialogue and loop between you and your clients, getting real time feedback and improving your services fast. Uh, and you've got to get you've got to be the best and be the best can be about obsessing over your competition and picking all the best parts of them like Sam Walton used to do for Walmart. It could be about bringing and hybridizing other areas of um business or life into your model. I'm very inspired by music. I'm very inspired by art. Uh, and I like to try and bring some of those areas into what I do in my podcast and what I do in my content and my companies. Um, so you can become the best by uh, continually improving your product and service, continually listening to your clients and customers, followers and fans, the loyal ones, and giving them what they want and continually tweaking your model to give them more what they want. Because when you what you start with might not end up being what they want ultimately. So you react to them. I mean, these are the, the forces of, of a market. You obsess over your competition and pick all the best bits and improve on the bits that they don't do well. But you also create uniqueness by 
um, you know, getting in touch with your creativity and hybridizing um, inspired areas of, of other businesses and other niches. I watched um, the Alexander McQueen fashion documentary, was really inspired by that. And that helped me with a couple of um, launches that I did. And um, yeah, you know, I, I often listen to podcasts, I try and meet other multimillionaires and successful business owners and learn from them. Um, I'm inspired by musicians. I'm inspired by Netflix documentaries. You could be inspired by travel, by art, by architecture. Um, okay, then. Great. So next we've got um, Gerald said this. This one, again, is it's pretty standard, but I think it's important to say he said, don't give up. You always have another chance. I mean, Gerald was probably, well, he was the biggest jeweler in Europe. Uh, and then one flippant joke uh, in his speech ruined him. And he had seven years uh, of uh, staying at home, not working, watching Countdown, being depressed. I actually was on antidepressants. His wife eventually said, get out and do something or I'm going to I'm going to kick you out of the house. And he went and set up a gym and built a gym and sold that, I think, for three point four million. Then he was back in the game and then he went and set up an online jewelry business. And now he does thousands of speeches. So you always have another chance, no matter how bad it's gone, no matter how long it's been hard, no matter how many times you've tried and failed, no matter what, how many new business models you've you've tried you've always have another chance so don't give up keep on keeping on until you finally get there um next then is before you go all deep into a market i said all deep uh, into a marketplace and spend all your money and leverage yourself up um test it first now it's much easier to test nowadays you can chuck out a few facebook polls you can go and do some research on what's trending you can go into some fo focus and facebook community groups and you can find out what people want um, and when I write a book, I always test um, titles and I test subtitles in communities. I ask my readers and listeners what they want the most. Uh, if I've got a product that I'm pretty confident in launching, I'll create a minimum viable product, a version one. I'll test it to a small segment, um, you know, maybe some of my best customers or some early adopters. And then if it works, I'll scale it a bit and scale it a bit and scale it a bit. Um, because if you go all in, then you can also lose everything. You know, a lot of these Americans say, go, go big or go home, go all in. Don't have a plan B. Well, um, I, I can imagine from eight out of 10 of those stories who went all in and didn't have a plan B and went big or went home. They actually went home. We're, we're all out um, and wish they had a plan B because plan A didn't work. So there's nothing wrong with testing um, to, to, to measure the marketplace, to test the pricing to test the product, to get feedback on it, to improve it, to make it market ready. Both Gerald and I agreed on that. The next thing is building a great team. Now, you know, I don't think I have any particular skills. I think I'm a bit of a generalist. I think I can do a fair few things okay. I'm certainly in any of the things that I do okay. I know a lot of people who are a lot better than me at them. I suppose what I've got pretty good at is aligning myself with decent people, leveraging smarter people, leveraging technicians, and building this team of experts around me in the different verticals that I might need, whether it's sales or marketing or um, finance or you know, whatever. Uh, so, you know, there's only a certain amount you can do on your own, but you need great lawyers. You need great uh, advisors, great accountants, great specialists, great technicians, great coders. Um, now, I just recently interviewed Lawrence Jones and he said one of the reasons that he was able to get such a huge profit margin on his business, um, I think it was what was the profit margin? It was something crazy like 50% net um, because everything that he outsourced, he ended up getting software written and insourced it. 
So dramatically reduce the cost and the um, the ongoing overhead, the fixed cost, if you like. Um, so uh, building a great team and developing things and skills and resources in-house, I think, can certainly help you make good money. Um, you, and if you think about it, if you earn £100 an hour, well, 10 hours, you earn a 1,000 quid. But if you just earned uh, £20 on 10 people per hour, you're doubling your hourly rate without in putting any more time in yourself. So if you earn on others rather than yourself, this is called leverage, this is called outsourcing, then you're obviously able to scale much more. And if you look at most companies, the, the top line revenue and hopefully the, the, the bottom line profit is directly linked to how many staff they have. Less staff, less top line, bottom line, more staff, more top line, more bottom line. So I know a lot of lifestyle business people, they don't want staff, they don't want overheads, they don't want worries and responsibilities. But fine, they won't be a multimillionaire then. Uh, the next thing is you absolutely must serve and love and listen to the customer. The customer is king. Your team is king. So, you know, I used to think when I started my business, well, people work for me. I do not think that people work for me anymore. No one works for me. Everyone works for themselves. No one is, was born to work for me. People want to meet their own needs and values. They want to pay their own mortgages and have their own hobbies and passions and hopefully enjoy themselves at work. Um, so I realised that I work for them. They don't work for me. Uh, I work for my customers, my clients. Now, I'm not perfect, of course, because sometimes we scale too quickly and sometimes we just make mistakes. But, you know, 95, 99% of the time, I know we care about our customer. We serve our customer and they are the most important thing. Um, and I think if you serve them, care for them, love them, go over and above and beyond for them, um, care for the details, I think you're always going to be all right and you're going to make a lot of money out of it because they're going to refer you and referrals cost nothing in marketing. Uh, next thing is you want to stay close to your market, your community, the trends. You want to be on the ground. Uh, and when I first retired in my what, probably how old was I? 28, 29, I guess it was just after the recession. Well, I'd retired just before the recession then went back to work straight again after the recession. I didn't have many um, weeks of retirement, although I really hated it, to be honest. Um, uh, but I remember thinking, oh yeah, well, I'll just be able to relax and, you know, um, I, I, I don't need to talk to clients or staff or people. I can be all outsourced and leveraged. And whilst you can, um, I found that if you stay close to your community uh, and you invest time observing your clients and asking them questions and solving their problems and understanding their fears, their desires, their pains, their wants, their needs, and, and, you know, you learn through them the trends in your marketplace, then that, that feeds back into your products and services and it gives them the edge over the competition. So since being free, not, um, not just financially, but free in terms of a time perspective, I spend a lot of time observing my clients in various different groups, WhatsApp groups, social media groups. Um, I enjoy it, to be honest. I'd probably do it if money were no object and there was no such thing as work and earning. Um, but it certainly means I can react quickly and create products and services that I know my clients needs quicker than any of our competition. Um, uh, Gerald, this was one he added, which I really like. He said, don't accept conventional wisdom. Um, you know, a lot of people will give you free advice and that's often worth every penny. And a lot of people reckon they've got good ideas, but have they actually done it? And conventional wisdom is usually conventional. And I'll give you an example of this. A lot of people say, well, you know what? It's best to learn from your mistakes. Well, that's conventional wisdom. I also think it's pretty dumb. I think it's best to learn from the mistakes of others because it will cost you less money and it will cost you less time and you can learn vicariously through them and then not have uh, that mistake happen yourself. Now, of course, you're still going to make some mistakes, but you'll minimise your mistakes. So uh, conventional wisdom is not always conventional. Test ideas. Don't accept all this free advice that people chuck out. 
left, right and centre, unless they're the real deal. And even when they are the real deal, you've got to test it for yourself and make sure that it works. Um, the next one then is to reinvest your profits into growth. So if you make a bit of profit and just draw it all, you're not growing. So Mark and I tend to draw down about 50% of our net profits. Um, and then we reinvest it another 50% into keeping cash flow for, um, you know, to increase the years of burn rate that we have in the bank, i.e. amount of years we could survive without making any sales. We reinvest into marketing, into our premises, to making it better quality, into equipment, um, into staffing, into training. Um, so that, you know, this is the, the forces of a market, innovation in a marketplace. If you don't innovate, your competition will innovate. If you don't invest in developing your products, your services, your premises, um, your technology, your software, then your competition will and all your customers will go from you to them. So your, the market forces will demand that. Otherwise, you will you know, you'll end up losing market share. Um, but certainly you want to be at the forefront of doing that. And whilst, you know, we all want to make a bit more money, we want to make a lot more money. You'll end up making a lot more money and be worth a lot more in the long run um, when you, know, you reinvest some of your profits back into um, creating assets that draw in more profits. You, know, you could reinvest them into property investments, for example. Um, and then the final uh, one that I added is cheek disruption, audacity and leverage. So a bit of um, being a bit cheeky, <clears throat> being a bit courageous, doing things that others aren't prepared to do, disrupting the marketplace, disrupting your competition being a bit audacious, being a bit brave, putting yourself out there and then leverage, you know, leveraging people, leveraging systems, leveraging software, uh, leveraging mentors, leveraging the experience of people who've been there and done it rather than just all your time, effort and energy. <coughs> Excuse me. So let me summarise then. I think I've covered 12 ways to become a multimillionaire. It won't happen overnight, but if you keep doing these things, it will happen in the end. One would be you've got to have a big vision, a grand vision. Number two, you've got to have a unique value proposition. Number three, you've got to serve vast numbers of people. Number four, the details matter. Remember, Gerald put all the diamonds 42 inches from the floor because that was the average height of a woman. Um, number five, you've got to become the best and an expert in your niche. Be better than all of the rest. Continual and never ending improvement. Number six, never give up because you always get another chance no matter how hard it's been or how many times you've tried. Never, ever give up. Keep going. Test the market before you throw all your money in and go all in uh, just in case it doesn't work. And you'd rather go um, uh, uh, part in than all bust. Next, then build a great team. Surround yourself with people smarter than you, more technically minded in different areas. Um, and, you know, you become the leader and the, the sort of the spearhead of that team, if you like. Serve and love the customer always. And I'd add your staff. Stay close to your market, to your community, to trends in the marketplace. Don't accept conventional wisdom. Reinvest some of your profits back into growth and then be a bit cheeky, a bit disruptive. Be a bit audacious, a bit courageous and make sure you keep utilising leverage. So thanks for tuning in. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. If you think you know anyone who could benefit from this, who wants to make more money, um, you know, who just wants a better life and wants to balance making more money with serving others in the best possible way, please do share this video with them. Thanks for tuning in. 